Inspiring Educators podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everybody. It's Lila Noor, the educator motivator. You can find me on Twitter at, at Miss Lila Noor. That's at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. This is my six-year teaching. I am the regional coordinator for the College Preparatory Mathematics Curriculum for LAUSD, and I'm also a master teacher with Math for America Los Angeles. This week, I'm grateful for self-care. And so every week, we like to start off with what we're grateful for because we we really want to take this podcast in a direction where we can, you know, give you something to think about, but also showing you that there's always something to be positive or to be happy about. And so I I chose self-care this week because I'm really starting to realize that I can balance my work life and my self-care. And I've been giving myself way more of that by, you know, making sure I force myself to the gym. I force myself to eat right. I force myself to, you know, have some downtime and not feel bad about it. That's the key. So I'm really grateful for being able to take care of myself in the most recent months um, and starting to finally feel the changes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Self-care is key. I think all of us need to take a moment and utilize some self-care strategies and and just take a break and relax. This is Dr. Christopher J. Childs. I'm your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm a mathematics specialist. I love math. I live and breathe mathematics. I live and breathe making mathematics better and giving students better mathematics experiences. This week, I'm grateful for two new new projects that I'm launching. I'm sneak previewing one. I'm giving a keynote in South Dakota. I'm going to sneak preview one of the projects, but it'll be fully launched this summer. And that's all I'm saying. But I'm super excited about these projects just because they've been like simmering in the pot for a while. And they're finally coming to fruition. So I'm extremely grateful for these two new projects. Be on the lookout. If you know me and how I market, you'll know about it. It's going to be big. Man, okay. I'm looking forward to that. We're missing Jay again this week. Oh, coach, where where art thou? (laughs) We're missing Jay. So at him on Twitter and say we missed you. At Jadrian Grimes. Add him on Twitter and let him know you missed him on the episode. He'll be back soon on the podcast. This week's podcast, this is one of the most passionate podcasts I think we're going to have because one of my most passionate topics. Not saying our other ones are not good, but this one, I can literally go all day, all night. Like if we think about the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest podcast. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This topic, I can break that record. Goodness gracious. (laughs) And it's a straightforward topic. We need the common core state standards for mathematics. Facts. Period. Big facts. Give you a quick background. Then we're going to jump into a discussion, give you some history, and really break down what are the common core state standards for mathematics. So here we go. Let's break down the common core state standards. The Common Core concentrates on a clear set of math skills and concepts. Students will learn concepts in a more organized way during the school year and across grades. The standards encourage students to solve real-world 
problems. In 2009, the Council of Chief State School Officers and the National Governors Association Center for Best Practices coordinated a student-led effort to develop the Common Core State Standards. Designed through collaboration among teachers, school chiefs, administrators, and other experts, the standards provide a clear and consistent framework for educators. The standards are research and evidence-based, clear, understandable, and consistent, aligned with college and career expectations, based on rigorous content and application of knowledge, built upon the strengths and lessons of current state standards, informed by other top performing countries in order to prepare all students for success in our global economy and society. That's a little bit of background on the Common Core State Standards. We're going to go a little bit deeper in a moment, but I want to give Lila opportunity to chime in on her thoughts. Then we're going to get deep into regard to why there's so much confusion among the standards. So Lila, some quick introductory thoughts. Um, for me personally, I I mean, um, me and Chris were talking about this um, a few days ago, and I don't know everything about the Common Core, the history, and all of that. However, what I do know is that they are a very specific means for me to plan every lesson that I do. And they give me direction and they give me focus for what I'm doing in the classroom. And without the standards, I don't have that. I just have me going and doing things with no means of connecting, with no means of understanding why or what's the end goal, um, how deep we have to go. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, I mean let's, let's think about it. Without standards, teachers would literally go and do whatever they wanted in the classroom. Let's just be clear. If I if I valued what I whatever it is that I value, that's what I go and I go really deep into for however long as I, I want without considering the fact that I have these other standards I need to cover. Lila made a valid point. Notice she said it just gives her guidance. She never said the standards tell her she has to teach something this way. She never said the standards make her give tests. So let's define three key words. Standards, curriculum, and assessment. Standards are statements of what students are expected to learn. It's just a framework, period. Let me read that again. Standards are statements of what students are expected to learn. That's all the Common Core standards are. Second keyword, curriculum. A curriculum is a program used to help students meet the standards including instructional materials, activities, tasks, units, and lessons. So your curriculum or your instructional materials. Third keyword, assessment. Assessment is the process of gathering evidence about the student's knowledge of ability to use and disposition towards mathematics and making inferences from that evidence for a variety of purposes. So assessment, gathering evidence about students' knowledge. What we've confused, and not we as in us on this podcast, but publicly, we've confused Common Core Standard with curriculum, with assessment. What's happening, and it happens all the time in the media, it's been lumped together 
And when one hears the words common core, they automatically think about high stakes test, which is not the common core standard. So if we could, you know, just kind of put it all together, because oftentimes it's really good for me to hear it as like a, a statement or a sentence. So is it that we use our curriculum, which is guided by the standards, to teach lessons, to give kids, students information, to build their knowledge, in which we assess them to see if they've actually met said standard? In a nutshell, that's what it is. Okay. But what's happened now that we're in this era of high stakes testing, when we say standards or common core, we go to the high state testing end of it. Those big standardized tests that are used to evaluate students that are used to give teacher bonus. We don't break it down as you so eloquently pointed out the difference between standards, just your framework, your guidelines, your curriculum, the materials that you use. And curriculums vary. There are some good curriculums. They're not some good curriculum, but they vary. There's choice within what curriculums you use. And then assessment, you're just trying to see how students performing. And when we say assessment on this show, we're saying it right now, tests and quizzes. Those are assessments. You're just trying to see, do the students know what's going on and make sense of it? Summative and formative, right? <laughs> so it could be a conversation with a student. It could be me looking at how they draw a diagram of a particular you know, so a, a contextual problem. It could be, you know, an actual question on a test, but, you know, it could be a project that comes out, but we're talking about a variety of assessments. And I know that's not really the point of what we're talking about, but make sure you have a variety of assessments to see if your students have um, indeed understood the standard or learned the standard, right? So we can't just always focus on those tests, but I digress. <laughs> So now as we think about that, Lila, I want to ask you a question. Do you know the name of the first American mathematics textbook? Absolutely not. <laughs> Let me give it to you. The first American mathematics textbook was Nicholas Pike's Arithmetic in 1788. Mm. 1788, this is how they taught math. The process was this. State a rule. Give an example, have students complete a set of practice exercises. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like about uh, at least about 30% of the teachers that's out there right now, 30 to 40. <laughs> and when we think about it, in 1788, they said, state the rule, give an example, complete some practice. And as you stated, a lot of teachers today are doing the same thing. Has the world, let's even specific, has America not changed since 1788, but we're still trying to teach the same way? Listen, there's a lot of things in this world that haven't changed since 1788. <laughs> um, but I, I think that it's easier to have a teacher-centered classroom than it is to have a student-centered classroom. Let's just be honest. It's easier. Um, so when we talk about teachers who may not be invested in, you know, the, the practice of being a teacher, that may be the easy route. If we talk about someone who's very much gotten used to doing that, it's easier to do that than to learn something new, right? 
Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's understandable. You have to kind of empathize that if I've been doing something for the past 20 years, you know, one way, and then now I'm told to like completely scrap it and learn 75 new things. I get it. Um, but you know, the, the good thing is that we do have people that have changed and that have adapted to what's new and who have taken it and said, you know what, I believe in it. This is changing and impacting my classroom because you see it. I can give students contextual problems and, they be, and they're able to dissect it and say, well, this is asking me this, but I can't get this unless I know that. And then that means that it's really leading me here. But the question is really asking me this, to really be able to dissect the things that they're being asked where you can't do that with procedure, right? And oftentimes, that's the only thing that you can do with the rule example practice. That's just all procedure. There's no conceptual understanding there. Well, let's think back where this whole procedure came from. And let's think about when we, the common core standards. Uh, as you notice right now, a lot of people hate the standards. <laughs> they they want to go back to procedure. They want to go back to rote routine memorization. Give me a moment. I want to take us on a quick history lesson of the math standards and talk about how we got to where we're at today. I'm going to thank Matthew Larson, the past president of NCTM. He did a presentation on this. So a lot of the information you're going to hear came from Matthew's work. Okay. The history of math education in America is the following. There are three phases, crisis, reform, reaction. The hazard of your crisis, get some reforms, and then reaction. What do I mean? In 1957, for our history people, there was Sputnik. Remember the back in the 50s, there was a big thing, race to space, race to space. And then and also in that time period, World War II, Americans did not have basic computational and problem-solving skills. So that was a crisis. Who was going to get space first? Then we're fighting the battle, and our, we don't have basic computational skills. That's the crisis. So here's the reform movement. From the 1950s to the 1960s, you had something called new math. New math sought to emphasize the underlying structure of mathematics and conceptual understanding rather than the learning of isolated skills and facts. That was in the 50s to the 60s. So I told you, that was a reform. So the crisis, Sputnik, World War II, the reform was a new math movement. What comes next? Backlash. In an article in the Washington Post, parent James Shackelford described his frustration with his daughter's new math homework. He complained that as a PhD chemist, he should be able to understand his daughter's elementary math homework, but he couldn't because it was overly and unnecessarily complicated. There's your reaction. Does that sound familiar? It sounds like exactly what's already happening right now. Now let's fast forward to the 1970s and the 1980s. During this period, it emphasized procedural arithmetic skills, clearly defined behavior objectives, direct instruction aimed at student mastery of the objectives, and extensive use of local and national standardized tests to measure student attainment on mostly low-level skill-oriented objectives. Then in night, this was the 70s and 80s. Then in 1983, another crisis the publication of A Nation at Risk. Check out this document. You can Google search it. A Nation at Risk, 1983. This can create an environment that once again 
made it possible for reform. Because with that document, Nation at Risk, just what it says, America was lagging, there were going to be some problems, and a crisis. So then the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics had a real big standards movement. 1989, Curriculum Evaluation Standards for School Mathematics. 1991, Professional Standards for Teaching Mathematics. 1995, Assessment Standards for School Mathematics. 2000, Principles and Standards for School Mathematics. 2006, Curriculum Focal Points for Pre-Kindergarten through Grade 8 Mathematics. Again, a standards movement. But what comes? Backlash. By the late 1990s, criticism of the standards emerges, and it was all too familiar. The new standards did not sufficiently emphasize procedural skills, not enough emphasis on direct instruction, not enough practice and memorization. Crisis, reform, backlash. Then in the 2000s, we have two major attempts to try to find like a middle ground. The National Research Council released Adding It Up in 2001. The National Mathematics Advisory Panel Report came out in 2008 to try to, you know, make it a little better for mathematics to appease both sides. But what people do not remember and keep forgetting, in 2001, we had no child left behind. That fundamentally changed the focus of instruction. Increasingly between 2002 and the early 2010s, math instruction focused on the content to be assessed on state tests, assessments that tended to assess skills and concepts at low cognitive demand level. Slowly got up to the higher cognitive demand levels. When we think about the public backlash that we're facing today, we need to look at the history. We've always had standards always something. There's always been backlash. But what people need to talk about is no child left behind. And that's where we really got in this era of high stakes accountability. What people don't like, Lila, are the high stakes tests. I don't care for the high stakes tests. I'm not a proponent of them. That's the backlash. The standards are not the backlash. And what's happened People get their information about education in schools from family, from friends, social media. They don't get it from the experts. They don't get it from the real literature. They get it from essentially hearsay. Now we're again at the Common Core backlash era. And in Florida, the governor said they're eliminating Common Core when people really have no idea what is happening. Mm. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with not liking the high stakes, high stakes testing. It's, it was a part of our contract for LAUSD um, that we renegotiate all of our high stake testings for our district because it's a lot and it's too much. I mean, right now my, my juniors are complaining. They said, we have all the tests in one year. Like, how is that even reasonable that we have to take the SAT, the ACT, the SBAC, our IABs, and anything else <laughs> that, that comes up, you know, and, and we're not even just talking about for math, we're talking about for other subjects as well that have their own testing. Don't let a student be, you know, they're testing uh, to be reclassified, then they have to take the cell. They have to take everything else. There's there's so many. and and I agree that that's where a lot of that pushback is coming from. It's not about the standards because really and truly, 
when you when you notice your your children learning things more deeply and they're internalizing it and holding on to that information from year to year it it makes a world of a difference in terms of their education how they matriculate through you know middle school or high school so it it's really going to take for us to start thinking about what do we value in this testing what's the point of all these assessments you know these high stakes tests and how can we uh, uh reduce them or compartmentalize in a way that is more reasonable for students um, and teachers so that we don't have teachers who are, I mean, annihilating curriculums that are already set up in a beautiful way just to accommodate some high stakes test. And in which po- at what point they're now just trying to force information. Let's just do a, a quick study sesh. Let me try to push all this information on you. When reality is that they're they're not gonna hold on to it, they're not gonna internalize it, and and, and it ultimately none of it it doesn't come together. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So ultimately, in a nutshell, the testing is the issue, the high stakes. It's not the standards. It's not the Common Core. It's the testing component that's put within it. We have to look at and reevaluate what is high quality education and we need to understand when we're talking about education what the heck we're talking about lila just pointed out the testing component how it really in a sense dilutes the quality of education what the public needs to be upset is that not the common core standards which essentially gives every kid an opportunity to get a high quality education so we don't need to eliminate common core common core is not the enemy Common core just defines what students should understand and be able to do in the study of mathematics. Absolutely. And, you know, I think as well that parents need to be involved. I mean, I think a part of this is that they're being told, hey, your your son or your daughter is now in a school where we're utilizing Common Core. This is what it looks like. And then them feeling very helpless that they don't understand what's happening or how to do the things that their child is being presented with. When, you know, inviting parents in to have a Common Core day to experience problems and to experience, you know, what uh, a piece or a smidget of a classroom experience would look like uh, with these standards in use gives students, I mean, it's not students, but parents a very different perspective on what's happening and why it matters, right? So to show parents that, yeah, it's great. They can memorize their times tables, but do they really understand what it means to multiply numbers together, right? Um, and how we're, we're, we're adjusting or, or not even adjusting, but moving a little bit more away from, you know, that memorization piece Everything has to be memorized. Um, there are some things that are important to memorize, but there are other things that are important for us to really understand on a deep level so that we can carry those ideas on to other concepts, right? So getting parents involved as well, I think that's something that's, that's needed. But the onus, in my opinion, is on the school system, us educators, to inform the public what are standards, what is the common core, the differences, show them through videos and different things what does good math teaching look like we can't keep letting the media tell the narrative 
And we need to start calling out media outlets when they present false narratives, when the newspaper publishes false articles, because what that is literally what's happening. Education is being dismantled by people who have no idea what they're talking about. People are consuming this and it's getting bad. And when we think about the history of mathematics, as I pointed out, crisis, reform, backlash, we've always had some form of standard. This is just a cycle. So my big thing I'm leaving everyone with, where do we go from here? If Florida moves forward and continues to eliminate standards, what are you going to do next? You're going to have some new standards. You're going to get mad at them. And you're going to keep the cycle over. And you're impacting the kids, the students, you're impacting the teachers, the people you claim you care about. And I'm saying you claim because if you cared about them so much, you wouldn't be fighting the standards. You would be fighting against the testing. Kids are over-tested. That's what you'll be having comments about. You'll be fighting for equitable schools in regards to funding. You'll be fighting for teacher pay. You wouldn't be fighting for how your students are going to learn fractions because I guarantee you, you don't even know what a fraction is. And you were taught in the way you want your child taught. And if you want to disagree or debate me, you know me at DRK Childs. I promise you, you do not want to come from me when it comes to this bad stuff. Any final thoughts, Lila? <laughs> um, you know, I it's tough because education is always changing. Um, there's always something new. Um, and that makes people uncomfortable. But we gotta learn to live in the uncomfortable space of doing things that are in our best interests and that are also in the interests of our students and our children. Um, being uncomfortable isn't a bad thing. Live in it, bask in it, know what it feels like. Nobody's ever done anything great in their comfort zone, right? As I've seen a meme that says it many, many times. <laughs> you know, don't, don't fight the standards, fight the system. And with that said, fight the system, it leads us to one of my favorite parts of the podcast, the inspirational moment. This week's inspirational moments is then brought to you by the one and only Miss Lila. Take it away. It's a lot of background information today. And so I kind of want to go in a direction with that of do your research. And with that, I don't just mean in terms of what we're discussing today with the standards and common core and assessments and high stakes testing. That's great. We definitely need to do our research on that before we start putting all this propaganda out there that's pushing against what we're trying to do as teachers. Um, but I also say that in thinking about my school year thus far and really learning to do my research in all aspects of education, whether that be with my students, the parents, the principals, you know, this, this new crazy, you know, cool thing that somebody comes and does a PD on and tells me it's so amazing for my students. Start learning to do your research on everything before we get angry, before we're too excited, before, you know, we get upset about the people who are here to support and help um, us, or for the people that we're talking about, we're here to actually help and support. Um, I think about me as a teacher, I unfortunately, and I know I've talked to some people about this, and they kind of agree, it resonates with them that when I sometimes feel that my students aren't trying or putting their best foot forth, I get a little jaded and I get a little snappy and I get upset. Um, 
And for me, I know that's something I have to work on. But I also realized over the past few months that I've never done my research and I've never done my research. Um, You know, we talked on our last podcast about keeping class interesting. I hadn't done my research on why these students weren't putting their best foot forth. Um, I hadn't done my research as to why this parent was so adamant about, you know, the grade their child was receiving. I hadn't done my research as to why my principal really wanted us to implement these policies. Um, And I just made very quick judgment. And that applies directly to everything that we're saying about our common core state standards. Do your research. Understand what it means, understand why we're doing it, understand what we're fighting for, understand that we we love what we do and we love your children and we love our students and we have nothing but their best interests at heart. And, and we would never put them in a position to learn less, right? Think about it. If we're if common core state standards are so bad, that would mean that our students are not learning as much as they would without them, right? I would never put my students in a position to not learn as much as they could, right? So uh, do your research about everything that you feel like matters. Anytime that you're feeling like this doesn't make sense, I'm angry, I'm upset, do your research. I promise you it'll make you feel better. (laughs) Whether you turn out to be right or you're wrong, um, you're at least a lot more knowledgeable about those feelings before you start to express them and um, put your opinions on other people or other practices that are out there. Good Take a negative away from what she talked about. Implement it. Man, I'm at a loss of words. That was good. <laughs> As always, this has been Inspiring Educators Podcast. We really appreciate each of you tuning in every single week. Without you, we're nothing in regards to this podcast. Keep doing amazing thing as, things as educators. Lila, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm going into next week really considering how I'm going to take a new approach on the Common Core State Standards so that, I mean, I said it was my guide. Do my students know it's my guide? Do my students know that's where we're going, right? Do your students know where you're headed with the Common Core State Standards? Um, because it's important. As always, we out. We'll see you next time. Bye. Cheer. Cheer.